Hey everyone, welcome to the latest installment of Feature Talk, the segment where we talk about two movies, normally just one, but this time two, we're just going to go over uh, briefly Midsummer and Spider-Man Far From Home and give our quick thoughts on them. David, we're not going to be quick. And we're not going to be brief, because I have documents, I have facts and information, I've done my research, David, because these two movies are connected, more than you think. Oh? But we should probably save that for the end of the episode. But first we're going to give our reviews. We're going to start with a non-spoiler review, then we're going to jump into full spoiler talk. We're going to give non-spoiler for both movies, that way you can hear a review of both movies. Then you can stop, and then you can go watch both the movies back to back. That's one hell of a double feature, let me tell you. And then you could uh, come back, listen to our spoiler part, and then hear how the movies are probably connected in more ways than you think. I'm a fucking madman, David. You are. You double feature these two? No. Oh. God, I couldn't. I couldn't double feature Midsummer with anything. It's it's so much to handle on its own. Oh, I double featured it with uh, Hereditary. Um. I didn't. Um, Alright, so which one do we want to jump into first? Spider-Man? Let's start with Spider-Man. Guys, we're doing a sequel to our Spider-Man feature talk, and now we I guess we're going to have to do another one for the next Spider-Man movie, because we've locked ourselves into it. Yes, we did. So, <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home is the last movie in Phase 3 of the MCU, um, with uh, Tom Holland as Spidey. And, uh, you know, Zendaya coming back as MJ. And Zendaya. the cutest boy in the entire world, Jake Hall as... Zendaya. Phil. Or Quentin. Quentin Phil. What's his name? Quentin Beck. Quentin David, Beck. You don't, have you, did you watch the movie? I saw it twice. Hmm, okay. Core plot is Peter just wants to go on vacation and hang out with his friends and maybe kiss a girl. But uh, Nick Fury is uh, hijacking his summer vacation. Here's a clip. <laughs> Wanna go in on a pair? You mean let's sit next to each other? Yeah. Parker, are you in position? No. Okay, no. Why the hell you not? don't want to sit next to me, or no, you, you just don't want to take us? I didn't mean that. I, uh, uh, if you go ahead, I'll go grab us a pair. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm coming. I'm... So yeah, it, it, the, the basic I'm gonna is... Love the, I'm gonna let the clip play out. Let the clip play. We didn't play the clip live. Embrace the clip. I'm playing the clip right now. Okay. Wait, this isn't Spider-Man Far From Home. What is this? What the fuck? <laughs> okay, go. I'm eating blueberries now. Uh, if you know Spider-Man so well, what's Ned's last name? Chicane. Leeds. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Ned Chicane. What the hell are uh, you doing here, Ned Chicane? Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick thoughts. Um, I thought this movie was really fun and probably like, like the like it's kind of like one of the most difficult movies to like hate or like have anything against. You know? Yeah. So some of, some of my biggest problems, and we'll we'll talk about it. It like are actually kind of solved by some of the the. Th- the later parts of the movie um in a weird roundabout way that we'll we'll talk about in more detail because that was vague and mysterious 
So, so just to like give a little bit more on the plot, there's a bit more to it. So basically, it's um, we're dealing post uh, Avengers Endgame outcomes, which I'm sure you all probably know if you're listening to this. I might skirt around the issue anyway. So it, are you skirting around Endgame? Don't skirt around Endgame. <laughs> Everyone's seen Endgame. They literally released it twice. If you <laughs> haven't seen Endgame yet, I don't know what you're doing. Like literally. Right, okay, so... <laughs> We're not serving around the second biggest movie of all time. Everyone's not. My parents saw it. They don't even know what the MCU is. All right, so... <laughs> it, it follows Tony trying to still be a kid. Tony? It follows Tony. It follows Tony! Midsummer is the latest film from Ari Aster, and it really <laughs> does. Ethan, I know he looks like him when he's building his suit... But it's not Tony. So it's, Man, the movie worked. No, the movie worked. Actually, complete success. Complete success. They did it. They found the replacement. <laughs> it worked. It worked. So, the... the it's just in. God damn uh, it. Tony is Spider-Man. <laughs> Fuck you. Tony Stark is not dead. I don't, I don't dig in on you this much. I know, but it was so good. Because that's what they're going for in the movie, and it worked! Or you just woke up. I did just wake up. (laughs) And you were having dreams about Tony Stark and Peter Parker. No, I was having dreams about how you're making me miss the World Cup finale. Oh. Uh, It's already on rerun. It's a rerun right now. They're playing in a different country. They they rerun the entire thing just for the U.S. uh, uh, audience. So... Spider-Man Far From Home uh, builds on a lot of the core strengths of the first installment. Obviously, we've seen Peter Parker throughout the MCU in other movies, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, um, that have kind of built on his little character arc a lot, not as much as this one is building on the first movie. And that's really the core of the struggle of wanting to be a kid, wanting to be Peter Parker, but needing to be Spider-Man, the superhero especially post-Endgame, where we lose Iron Man, specifically, um, who was, as we all know, a huge mentor to Peter in the first Spider-Man Homecoming film. That's kind of where the emotional state he starts off in. Not to say that this is a super heavy movie. It's still very fun, fluff, blockbuster, uh, fair. You got this. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Okay. But it has some some interesting things it brings up. It has some great performances. Um, Zendaya specifically really stood out for me in this one more so than she did in the first feature. Um, well, that's where like I think a little bit. I feel like if you watch this movie, it's like the first one doesn't even really matter. Like, what happened to his first crush? Like, I know she moved away, but like he just completely forgot about her. He was so smitten with her, and now it's like, nope, she's gone. Uh, what up, MJ? I like your new nickname now that you have it since the end of the last movie. Can we be a thing? <laughs> but I think they actually work really well. A lot of I it love deals them. with a will they won't they amazing. kind of thing. Um, you know, there's another new character that's in the mix that also has a thing for MJ, and they start like sitting together on a plane. And there's some nice oh, yeah. comedy of errors things that happen that actually reminded me a bit of Charlie Chaplin, which it might be. Uh, too high of praise in comparison. 
But in yeah. terms of like, oh, I got to try just this one simple thing. Like there's a simple goal they want and then it goes in such a roundabout way to try and get it that it ends up getting worse than they first had. One of that is literally just trying to switch seats on an airplane. Um, yeah. And that's pretty Which early so on good. for it. Um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal also is in this movie. Uh, he plays Quentin Beck, who um, basically shows up at the same time as the strange elemental creatures start attacking um, different parts of the world. Um, Give his backstory. So he's from Earth 616. N- nope, and he, he's not. We're in Earth 616. He's in Earth 47? I don't remember what the number was. He is, he he, he comes and he shows up and he says that, hey, I'm from a uh, different Earth in the multiverse. Well, These things attack my planet. destroyed by the elementals. Yep. And his family as well. And so he, and he starts sent, working. He came here to try to save Earth 616 from the elementals this time. Right. And so, where we pick up, he has just defeated two of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is meeting up with Nick Fury, and Nick Fury is getting Spider-Man involved. And it kind of goes from there. Um, it is, it's, it's, I thought it was really fun and engaging. Um, it's, you know what this movie kind of is? Mm-hmm. What is it, David? It's kind of the Hillary Duff movie. I don't know what that means. The, I mean, the Liz McGuire movie. <gasps> what do you... What? This sounds like well, one of my this, bad shit theories. It's about this person who goes to a foreign land. Peter. Lizzie. Damn. And then when they're there, they are given this great opportunity... Uh, be Spider-Man, save the world. Uh, Make be Lizzie McGuire and be a pop star, with the like the biggest European pop star. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, uh, how you handle that when you're just trying to be with the boy and or girl that you came to this foreign country with. Wait, and... so are you saying that Spider-Man: Far From Home, the Lizzie McGuire movie, and Midsummer are all the same movie? <sighs> yes. Interesting. That I think that kind of wraps up our non-spoiler talk for Spider-Man: Far From Home. I would say definitely go see it, especially if you like Tom well, Holland as as Peter yeah. Parker. If you want to kind of see some of the new aspects, it does pay those off, and it you is kind of rewarding. Also, forgot to mention. Like things. You also forgot to mention that the hottest relationship on screen, Happy Hogan and Aunt May, hmm. are they a thing? Aren't they a thing? Who <laughs> Will knows? they? Won't they? <laughs> the other movie we're going to be talking about that I think we might actually talk about a little bit more Father. is going to be Ari Aster's Midsummer. Um, this is the the feature follow up to Hereditary, although it's not a sequel in any regards. Um, written and directed again by Ari Aster. Uh, this mm-hmm. follows uh, Florence Pugh's main character, Danny. Uh, after dealing with some pretty strong emotional grief in the very beginning um, and a troubled relationship with her boyfriend Christian, played by Jack Renner, um, they uh, kind of embark on a trip to Sweden. Now, this this trip was already in place. Uh, Danny didn't really know about it, which is another form of conflict with her relationship. Um, but she kind of gets invited along as a form of pity from her boyfriend 
who was even thinking about breaking up with her right away uh, to kind of help her cope with this grief by going to a nine-day festival that only happens every 90 years uh, in this kind of remote village in Sweden, which they're introduced to by one of the members of the group. Um, all of them are anthropology students, except for two of them, Danny, as well as Mark, played by Will Poulter. Uh, as soon as they get to this festival, the very first thing they do is try some psychedelics, and it kind of gets crazier from there. Here's a clip. What do you think? It's like another world. <laughs> Amazing. Do people just sleep here? Yeah, all the younger ones, until we turn 36, and then we move to the laborer's house. Why 36? Well, we think of life like the seasons. So you're a child until you're 18, and that's spring. And then at some point, we all do our pilgrimage, which is between 18 and 36, and that's summer. And then from uh, 36 to 54, we're a working age, which is fall. And then finally, from 54 to 72, you become a mentor. What happens at 72? First off, this movie's gorgeous. Um, it has beautiful, beautiful cinematography that is unnerving and engaging. Um, it is Powell Porgaleski. Probably not saying that correctly, but fantastically shot. He also has another movie that came out this year called Home Videos that I want to check out. Huh. What, who is that? What is that even? Uh, it is, it's like a documentary thing oh, by a comedian. <clears throat> this is HBO. so much more cinematic though than hereditary like i thought hereditary was a beautiful movie but this just blows past it mm -hmm. like this is just next level every single frame of this movie is perfect going into this there are a lot of things that remind me so some of the camera work specifically um there's a lot of hints of fincher hints of jordorowski hints of tarkovsky like these People that know what they're doing with Kubrick. the camera. Definitely a lot of homage, specifically to The Shining as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like, all of these, that sounds like damning with high praise, you know? Like, comparing, mm -hmm. putting it on this pedestal. I think it meets those pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, like, if you're just going in technical aspect alone, then that's not even starting on the like artistic approach or the symbolism or the like character drama or any of that <laughs> yeah no, this this movie's a near masterpiece yes and i think it's just i think ari aster is just such a master craftsman mm -hmm. between this and hereditary and all of his shorts which i haven't seen but you have you haven't seen all of them. i haven't seen, seen all of them but i've seen a couple of them yeah I, he's just on the next level of of filmmaker absolutely um this is one that i think i think jordan peele is... has a has part of the formula right where they take what is something that is super creepy and deal and like super creepy already and then something you're actually genuinely scared about so one of the things about hereditary is some of the most horrific things didn't have anything to drama. do with the the supernatural like yeah exactly it was family drama it was things that could happen and where hereditary is about the family drama this is all about a failed relation or a failing relationship exactly. and watching it in 
in probably like the final trimester of its failing as well as some of the intense emotional grief that we witness at the very beginning of the film um so all of which is this this is one that really focuses on the main character danny who florence Pugh has done wonders and i am high up on my radar now are we thinking oscar now for her for this one, I don't quite know because Tony Collette didn't even get it for Hereditary. Here's the question that I was seeing brought up is, do we think there's going to be an Oscar nom for either Florence Pugh for this or for Lupita for us? I think Lupita is probably the stronger pull for it. Interesting. Do I think it's the stronger performance? I'd have to let you know. <laughs> um, um, but Florence Pugh has done fantastic. So, like, comparing how... Um, she performed in a film earlier this year, Fighting With My Family, which is a WWE studio film, you know, seeing how she can kind of elevate a, what could be potentially a mid to low level, like, family drama biopic about a mm-hmm. kind of fringe family. sports thing. Yeah. Yeah. But she, like, her performance and, like, what she brought to that actually brought that movie up but seeing that she yeah. can still hold her own in a art house horror like uh, horror loosely uh i was gonna art say house I think that's the film directed biggest, by someone like ari aster my biggest issue with the marketing is like this being portrayed as like a huge horror movie when it's not like i mean i feel like it's more thriller but it's also just like a constant state of unease but how do you where i don't that? even I don't know. I mean, but, like, I don't think calling this a horror is right. Because you, if you're saying people in there who are typically going to be sold on a horror genre movie, mm-hmm. this isn't that. Um, we're actually going to talk a bit about the horror renaissance that's kind of going on lately in in our main episode of July. So be on the lookout yeah. for that one pretty soon. We're also talking about Spider-Man. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> and a lot of other well... things. It's going to be buck wild. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> I think but, what how how let's let's wrap this up for the non-spoiler parts for Midsummer. I think let's just hop straight into it. I think there's so much to say about both of these movies and spoil. The, both of these films are so hard to talk about non-spoilerly. Right. Uh, I do. I do want to give a quick wrap up though. Um, one thing to know: there are a lot of very intense, both emotional and visual things in Midsummer that I don't think everyone is best suited for. Do I think that that's part of the intention of the movie absolutely it doesn't want everyone to be suited for it um that's what gives it its best impact but it is this is not a movie for everyone whereas i think spider-man far from home has obviously a much wider audience that it can appeal to and people still enjoy it however i think midsummer is a far superior movie but again it's not for everyone um it is it is a lot there are things like there are things that remind me of the Holy Mountain. There are things that remind me of The Shining. There are things that remind me of Zodiac and Prisoners. Um, basically, if you liked Hereditary, you'll probably be fine. <laughs> I think so. I think I think Hereditary though is a much more mainstream horror movie. Like Hereditary is a but if movie. if this you did much more, you house. were able to do Hereditary and didn't really have any qualms with that. It's a really nice foot in the door for Midsummer, which again I do think takes things further and is more dramatic with some of its uh, more uh, horrifying scenes. Not horror scenes, horrifying. Yeah, I feel. 
I still think it's two different audiences. There was an old couple that watched Midsummer yesterday at my theater that had went in and had never heard of the movie, and they walked out saying it was the worst movie that, that they had ever seen in their life. And then another person was in the theater that had seen Hereditary and really liked Hereditary and said it's one of their top films of the decade. So it really is... I think you'll get that... <laughs> I think you'll get that overlap, but I think Hereditary is going to be much more mainstream. I think you're going to hear, I mean, I think even if you look at the, uh, like the Rotten Tomatoes audience scores, I think you're seeing a higher praise for Hereditary than you were for Midsummer. I think Midsummer's at like a mid-60s. Hmm. Interesting. I just, yeah, I, it's much more art house. Also, one last thing is the, produ- the, the set design for Midsummer is next level. And There's the, so and much the going soundtrack on in the background. is gorgeous as well. This is a yeah. really, really well-made film from yeah. from start to finish. Everything in yeah. this, fantastic. Even from the opening frame, the opening frame. Oh my gosh, it's the greatest thing I want to pause on. There's so much going on in that thing. After this point, it's gonna be spoilers. You have been warned. If you stay around without having seen any of these movies, you will be spoiled. And it will suck for you, and you will not be able to fully enjoy these movies because we're going to be talking about serious plot points, you big dummies. Get out of here. Get out of here, you dumbos. But now I just feel like I'm telling a cute little elephant who lost his mother to get out of here. Well, he should, because he hasn't seen these dang old movies yet. Oh. Uh, Which one do we want to go with first? Spider-Man? I think... Yeah, let's start with Spider-Man. Semi-quick. So... Who would have guessed it? Mysterio's evil. What? Ha! This is one of the things where, like, I like the twist. Like, I like the moment of the twist where he gets the glasses, Peter walks out of the bar, and then, like, all the cameras start, like, taking away the uh, projections. I like that. I I think it looks pretty cool. The thing that I don't like is Peter's reaction to finding out that Quentin betrayed him isn't big enough. Like, he just found somebody to replace Tony for him, basically. Mm-hmm. And this should have been, like, earth-shattering. And although it's definitely like, oh no, what did I just do? I just didn't feel like it was there, you know? Right. Um, I do like how they... So, I thought some of the, like, elemental stuff in the beginning, I thought it was really cheesy and, like, too generic superhero, but then it turns out it's like, oh, that's the point, you know? That's yeah. what people Which would so believe cool. in. And I, I think that is done really well. Of course, as the film progressive progresses after we learn that it's all a projection and like what his point was, it's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> and then they don't really yeah. do too much else. Um, the kind of dream sequences are really interesting. Um, oh, the dream, like the uh, the uh, nightmare. Yes, stuff? yes. I love those. Those are so cool. Like they they almost look too fake. Well, but that's but the that's point. And, the, and I, I think know. that was the same thing with the elemental. So it's like, Which oh, this so doesn't perfect. really look good. But it's kind of not supposed to. You know? Yeah, I love that though. It's so. I also, I just would love as like a bonus feature to see what he actually looks like outside of like, the uh, projection. Because he's still interacting with stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So I bet people like were just like, "What the fuck's going on with Spidey over here?" Well, and the thing that I think is really funny is I'm sure on set he was wearing that full like um, CG suit, but everyone just oh, assumed yeah. they were <laughs> going to add the special effects. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this romance. Peter and MJ. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ned and New Girl. <laughs> no. Um, Peter and MJ are so fucking cute together. 
Love they Zendaya. Really love Tom Holland. God damn, they cute as fuck. Great chemistry between the two of them. Damn. Yeah. Um, are they your favorite? Uh, in all of Spider-Man? Yeah. So far, yeah. Really? Yeah. Because nice. they actually both have personalities, not just one. <laughs> Ganim. <laughs> Obviously, I still also really like Gwen Stacy and Miles Morales from Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just all next level stuff. My, oh, yeah. it, once you put into the Spider-Verse, into the running for anything, it just... Knocked everything out of the park. Yeah. Uh, I really like them. I thought they were super cute, and I just can't wait to see what the future holds for them, because goddamn, they're so cute. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's also like next year, next movie's gonna be college time. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a big time. Yeah. Well, I'm. I am still a little mad at the naming structure. So you got Spider-Man: Homecoming. Then it was supposed to be Spider-Man: Late Registration, uh, and then College <laughs> Dropout, and then after that we were gonna do My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, um, Spider-Man: Eight Hundred Eight and Heartbreaks, uh, Spider-Man: Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man Life of Pablo um, um, Spider-Man Yay <laughs> Stop Well all I'm saying is they missed an opportunity Um <laughs> I think I made shark. that joke in the last feature talk I feel I like I've it. made that joke before Let's talk about the big twist Let's talk about the big twist Not the big twist Let's get back to the smaller twist <laughs> So I, I, I called you about this Because I've been racking my brain around about this since I saw it for the second time. And that is, does Mysterio use his hologram tech for any of the interactions between Peter and Nick Fury? I think he does. I think the one where Nick Fury blows up on Peter, the second interaction, mm-hmm. and then Quentin shows up and he's like, hey, I just, you know, Fury was wanting to apologize for how he, you know, acted back there. I think that's all fake. It's possible. I don't think it's. I don't think it changes too. I don't think it changes the outcome too much, whether it was real or fake. I think it could have made Peter feel closer to Quentin and trust Quentin more with the glasses than Peter trusts Nick. I still really liked this movie. Uh, I, I like that J.K. Simmons is back as J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, oh my God! It's so that good. That made also, me so happy. Plus, him being on a set like Alex Jones is set. <laughs> it's just so. I honestly thought before they went to the clip. He was going to start selling his supplements. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen. It didn't. I also like that now he has a good context for Spider-Man is a menace. Oh my god. It's just so good. Um, plus also like the, the running joke of you can't trust the news. Mm-hmm. Getting topped off with literally fake news with the like the uh, the edited clip mm-hmm. of Spider-Man. Spider- Spider-Man? 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 Yeah, Spider-Man. 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 Um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man saying execute them all. It's just, it's cool. Also, God, I just, I'm just so happy he's back. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they did it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. I don't know. There's not too much we got to say about Spider-Man. Well, let's talk about the second clip. Because I thought the second clip, when, when the second uh, post credit scene started, with the scrolls as Nori Hill and Nick Fury, I thought it was going to set up Secret Invasion. And I got so excited. And then it cuts to them being actually just like, oh, come back from your vacation. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they didn't go there. <laughs> I thought they were going to go there. Wasted potential. Seriously. There's also the really the really great scene with um, Happy and Peter on the jet. 
talking about how much they miss Tony. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really good scene. Uh, Peter's little eruption on Happy when he's getting stitched up and Happy just tells him to toughen it out, basically. Yeah. I thought that was all really good stuff from Tom Holland. Yeah, I mean, you can just... Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just sit here and wait. You can finish talking about Spider-Man. Go through every scene, actually. Oh, okay, let's go on. Sorry. Sorry, Spider-Man. Nobody liked you. I'm just saying you wanted this to be a quick episode, David. I know, I know, I know. I want to do non-spoiler in five minutes. And whose fault was that? I blame you. What the fuck? <laughs> you asked, I answered. Speaking of what the fuck, David, we gotta talk about Midsummer. <laughs> so, let's talk about it. Let's get in there. Um, the opening shot, where it opens up with the f- the four panels of the four seasons, literally shows you the entire movie. It opens up with the skull face in winter, which we open it up with, with the parents and the sister's death. Mm-hmm. Possible murder. We'll get there later. Well, it was, it it was definitely with... murder. It's just who murdered is the question. True. Well, well it'd be it'd be a, a suicide murder or it'd be all murder. Mm-hmm. Suicide, homicide. Homicide, suicide? Suicide, murder. Suicide, double murder. <laughs> Triple murder, though, is what I think we were looking at. <laughs> Detective Red on the case. <laughs> um, and then it ends. The fourth panel in that like opening little like painting has just uh, the biggest smiling sun, just like Florence's Pew's creepy ass smile, whiplash like smile at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So, sh- do we want to hop into this uh, this theory that I have about this uh, triple murder? Go for it. Okay. So my thought is that Pele, the uh, the the friend who basically recruits all of them to come out there to his home is actually the one who killed Danny's sister and parents to kind of put her into this isolated, depressed state to force her to not force her to, to force her hand into coming mm-hmm. on the trip. Uh, because he, re- he repeats time after time how excited he is for her to be there how he is he was most excited for her to come with them and like you see when she gets there like everyone treats her so nicely and like to make sure she's okay and sure they could just be being nice but i think they're kind of uh prepping her for this may queen position also in the house in the parents house the the whole scene doesn't really make sense why would the sister have taped the hose to her own mouth when you don't need to do that when you're uh committing suicide this way like you could have just sat in the house and died like the parents you could have chilled in the parents room and died like that there's no reason for this also the parents door was taped at the bottom to keep the the toxic gas in there mm-hmm. right which is like it's just like so much prep for this girl in this like distressed mindset to go through all this also really cool stuff the parents' house, the wallpaper, all flowers. It's a flower uh, Yeah, yeah, it's like the mural. yellow. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Also, on the nightstand, there is a photo of the, uh, I think it's Danny, on the nightstand, with above her head is a bouquet of flowers that looks just like a flower crown uh, above Danny's head. Damn. How fucking cool is that? It's wild, David. It's really wild. So, Pelly basically killed parents and sister. <laughs> basically is what I'm getting at. Let's talk about the runic symbols. Let's talk about the runic symbols. So Tell when, me about these fucking runes, David. When everybody gets to... What's the name of the camp again? Do you remember? Camp Rock. 
Uh, okay, so let's get to these runes. When when the, the whole group gets to the settlement, the commune, I also love the little line of, uh, I hear you were raised in a commune. Oh, uh, yeah, we, I was raised in a small community. Um, which isn't exactly the same thing. Um, but when everyone gets there, they all get these little runic symbols on their outfits once the festivities begin. Mm -hmm. And all of these symbols have a meaning. So, on Christian's jacket, or not jacket, but uh, it's more of a gown. I don't know if you want to right. call it. I mean, you know, it's more of a, it's gownish. Uh, he has a, what appears to be an upward logo, or Tiwaz, which is the logo for the uh, masculine energy, right? Which right. Christian's it, whole and also like uh, willingness to support or something like that, which ironically he doesn't do at all oh yeah <laughs> um which his entire character is like basically supposed to play b is this like mm -hmm. this terrible boyfriend because he, he's just a shit also one of the greatest paintings ever uh which is right behind danny and christian during their their argument is this painting of this like weird like almost like dinosaur looking like shark thing like a almost like a Megalodon, I think they're called, but it's called Assholosaurus. Incredible. Because he's acting. <laughs> it's so good. Not as good as the little girl in the bear painting, though. That's the best painting I think in the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Um, more of the runic symbols. the The symbol that the the uh, the tables are in when they're eating. Um, Othala mm -hmm. is is a. It's representative of familial groups and inheritance which is pretty cool but i think the coolest ones are what's on danny's cloak cloak okay bring it bring me down this is like a like an f kind of oh, this is more of an r okay it's, it's an r yep the f was on the some of the houses never mind what's the what's the r mean David? Uh, i believe i believe the f was on that though the uh the previous may queen's cloak gotcha okay. uh the r on danny's cloak stands for Represents that she's about to go on a great journey. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a little hourglass logo right next to it. Which means that she's about to have an awakening. Which is literally what happens to her when she goes on this trip. Into Westing. <laughs> now, I think there's also something I noticed on the second watch. Is when Danny first gets there, she and the entire group trip on some mushrooms. And she looks down at her hand. And there's the grass that's growing through her hand. Later on in the movie, when she trips again, the grass is part of her foot. Like, it, it, her foot is the grass. That she is becoming one with this environment and mm -hmm. this this place. Which is also kind of reminiscent of, in, in like an inverse way, of the first cut. Where the movie opens up with this like really beautiful, like, like this ancient score. And it's like going through all the, uh, the trees and stuff. And then it hard cuts to a phone call, you know? Yes. There's a I lot would... of really good hard cuts in this movie. Oh, dude, the, the bathroom cut? <laughs> Gorgeous. I think that breathing could have been better if you would have uh, done a single exhale and inhale. <gasps> <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> the worst way to breathe. Um, one thing I love about this movie is, like, so when you're talking about runes and you're talking about, like, symbols and all this stuff, like, it's a movie that's about anthropology students that if you're an anthropology student, you would really fucking love. 
because there's yeah. so much shit. And even though even though this is a fictional community that pulls from a lot of different communities, and like Ari Aster did this whole like huge huge research onto different um, like Nordic and Scandinavian rituals and like midsummer rituals and like folklore and stuff that he could incorporate into the movie and i think like so many of that and it you literally have people that can point out oh this is so and so like the giving the exact fucking names for everything or breaking things down by language i think it's fascinating it shows a lot of care for like the subject matter that you don't really have in a lot of films you know like usually if you're like oh it's pagan we can just do something pagan uh, should we talk about one of the weirdest, uh, like, love ceremonies that happens in this movie? <laughs> where, I forget her name, but she actually puts her menstrual blood and pubic hair in Christian's drink and meat pie. Just girly things, you know? Just girly things. It's really good, though, right? <laughs> um, it's a really good movie. Um, I, I, there's a lot of gore. That is pretty shocking, but it's not like, <gasps> but it's not, it's never cool gore, you know? And that's no. the thing I, that I, with gore, I enjoy it to be like impactful rather than literally impact, uh, in this case, <laughs> um, rather than just like, look at all the blood. It's like, no, this is terrifying gore, you know? And people yeah. respond the way they should in it, but you also have the anthropology students that give a little bit more cultural context to it. It's it's really really good. Um, God, Should we talk there's... about one of the most grisly scenes, where I believe it's it's Christian who walks in on on Simon's body that's dangling from the ceiling with the yes. lungs pulled out. It's the which is actually a it's a it's called the blood eagle. Yeah, it's it's, it's a Viking real torture. Viking torture. Yeah, it's uh, and he's still alive. That's so fucked up. Yeah. That cannot feel good. Oof. 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 Um, I think this this movie... I don't know. There's so much in it that is just fascinating. One thing I worry... Actually, I'm not as worried about this. I think that there's... Because there was so much care put into the anthropology and the culture of everything, that like the more you dig into it, the more you'll enjoy it. Whereas I feel like... So another movie we did a feature talk about... Uh, and like really went into like deeper meanings and like symbolism mm. was Jordan Peele's Us, mm-hmm. which I've now seen four times and it has gone down in my list because yeah. I think there there are movies that can be overanalyzed. And I don't know if Midsummer is going to have that same problem because there was so much care and like density put in that is like, oh, this is tangible, not just speculative. So when I walked out of Midsummer for the first time, I was absolutely taken back by like what I had just experienced. Like I was like on a next another fucking world. Like just needing to see it again and like needing to like analyze every single frame. Mm-hmm. And I I wasn't really sure like if 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 I thought it was a masterpiece or if I just really liked it. And I had it at my number five spot. So again, now it's at my number two. And just, like, the more I sit with it, the more I just want to put it at number one yeah. and just leave it there. 
Um, let's talk about some of the side characters that we haven't really talked about yet. Um, let's just, can we start with Mark? Cause I think Mark is like the biggest surprise in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this movie. Cause Will Poulter from seeing him in Detroit where he's like the most hateable character in the entire world to here where he's just like absolutely hilarious. Yeah, the like, absolute fucking mad lad. Yeah. Like Mark is an absolute unit in this movie. He does a piss on the big tree. Which <laughs> is. Um, he's just vaping nonstop. His, he's like, "Hey, can he we is, masturbate in here in the bunk room?" Uh, his scene where they all start tripping, and he's like, "Why is it so dark? Or why is it so bright?" Can the, you lay down? I need blue. you to lay down. I, it's so good. Josh, I don't want new people lay right down. now. I don't want new people right now. It's really. And Paley's just like, no, 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 new people are okay. Oh, you know what? There's one thing that I. On the first viewing, I was like, shit, I need a second look at that because it was just too quick mm-hmm. to realize what it was. Uh, Danny runs into that little shed when she's having her, like, panic attack. Oh. I, I didn't, oh, I didn't know who we saw in the reflection. I know who's in it's the her reflection. Sister. It's her sister. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit. I thought it was supposed to, like, I thought the first time I'd seen it, it was a guy. And I was like, that's really weird and out of place and, like, just not seems fitting with this movie. I also really want to take a second look at the movie because her sister is so obviously like her eyes are pointed so far left mm-hmm. when she's like dead. I want to know what's in that left frame. Yeah. I have to see the third time to see. <laughs> but I think there's something. I'm telling you. Triple murder. I really, really liked um, William Jackson Harper's character in this. He's fantastic. Oh, yeah. He's um, amazing. Uh yeah, oh my god, he is incredible. The way he can just sit there and read a book, like, next level. Yeah. Another scene that I can't believe we haven't talked about yet is the double suicide scene mm-hmm. with, with the old people. Mm-hmm. Intense. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that face, man. <laughs> Let's talk about the screaming, actually. This is something that's... I just oh, like the group screaming? Yeah. Uh, really good. What do you think is the purpose of that? Is it to... Well, it's all, like, to show, like, family connected and that we all feel feel the the same pain. pain. Yeah. Which, of course, is something that Danny's looking for because no one is understanding. And even when she has somebody that says they understand, she still feels disconnected from that. Dude, there's some very, like, slight... Like, like her screaming in the beginning when Jack's just... Or not Jack. I mean, it is Jack. But when Christian's just holding her, Mm -hmm. not doing anything... To that, uh, uh, mirrored against when she's screaming and all the other uh, women are screaming. So this is really just a breakup movie. It is just a breakup. I mean, think about all the things that breakup movies do. You got uh, the the burning of your, all your ex's stuff. In this case, uh, putting your ex in a bear and they're on fire. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Completely normal. <laughs> One thing I really uh, liked was the the way that like they depicted hallucinogenic uh drugs in this movie and like the the visual aspect of that yeah like the crawling on the trees is just so or like the the grass and the foot and the hand and like the the flower crown where the flowers like breathing and pulsing um sometimes when it affected buildings i didn't like it as much um i really liked it on like the trees in the background um it was really good I think it's something where if they would have added like 15% more mm-hmm. shaking, it would have been too much. It would have been like yeah. stimulation overload. But I think it was just the right amount. Like, 
it, it w- almost where if you weren't thinking to look at it, you could have just continued going without it, even like realizing that anything was different. Yeah, I don't be surprised if you hear more about this movie at the end of the year when we do our roundup of 2018 or 2019 movies. I mean, I think it's almost guaranteed. Yeah, at least one of us is going to talk about it. <laughs> Probably both. David. It's the moment everyone's been waiting for. Um, let's hear. Let's hear. Everything's connected. Get your notes out. All right. Spider-Man: Far From Home, Midsummer, take place in the same universe. Here's how. Oh. They are on the same exact plane. They are on a United flight over to Europe. They are on the same goddamn plane. I want you to look at both of those planes. Tell me that's a different goddamn plane, because I'm gonna tell you right now, David. They're on the same plane. Another thing. <laughs> Quentin Beck. All right? Beck. Beck is yeah. a recording artist who has won Grammys. You know who else has been nominated for Grammys? Avicii. You know where Avicii is from? Sweden. It doesn't oh. just stop there. Uh-huh. Tom Holland. Holland okay. is a country near Sweden. <laughs> All right, we got more. Buckle up, buddy. Happy Hogan. How many of these you got? Happy. Happy, like how they felt in The Sound of Music when they sang. Where was was The Sound of Music filmed? You tell me. In Europe. Poland. (laughs) Poland. Uh, They're both films about uh, a grief in the beginning that sets up the movie. Or something we were aware of at the beginning. Uh, taking a trip in hopes of uh, ignoring the problem, but then f- realizing we have to actually fix the problem. Uh, developing new relations, as well as relations that we thought would work that ended up actually hurting us more in the end. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff about what is real, what isn't real. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was very good. Ethan, round of applause. Thank you. Round of applause for you. Pat on the back. Same movie. Amazing. I am fully convinced that that United flight is the same flight. <laughs> totally. Who else can we put onto that plane? Can we put the characters from? I Fight was Club on that plane. There? You were when on I that flew plane. to Japan. I, can I be on that plane? You know what? That's definitely the same plane because that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, who else can we put on the plane? Who else? What do you have on that? Well, plane? I like literally. It looks like the same exact plane. <laughs> Like, not even just they're on a plane, you know? So I'm not just going to be like, well, George Clooney was there because up in the air. I mean, he does fly a lot. So, like, if anyone else he would sure be on a plane, does. Did you think we were going to talk about the, the film with George Clooney called Up in the Air in our review of Midsummer and Spider-Man Far From Home? Probably not, but it's a really good movie. Hey, I you actually know what really made like me not air. excited to see Spider-Man Far From Home? And I'll talk about this a little bit in our uh, our main July episode. The fucking United ads. I'll do a deep dive later. I don't, <laughs> don't you worry. I don't have a... I'm a cable cutter. <laughs> hey, uh, really quick side note, and anyone who made it this far, um, Ethan, you would, I think you're going to be happy to hear this. What your previous number one of the year mm-hmm. was... Was Woman at War. Was? Yes. You know what just hit Hulu? Uh, Woman at War. Well, it, I already bought Woman it. Woman at War. So I already own it. Oh, well, now it's streaming. I don't Hulu. have Hulu. So I'm going to watch it, finally. So. 
Hey, y'all, the July episode's gonna be whack. We haven't recorded, but we're doing, like, a lot. We're doing so much. We're doing, like, basically four mini-episodes in one episode. I think that's just gonna about do it for this episode. Sorry it was a little weird. I'm so tired. Uh, go see Midsummer if you think you can handle it. Go see Spider-Man if you're a pussy. <laughs> just go see both. I've seen four. I saw... <laughs> I saw both of these before the weekend started, and I was like, wow, now I have nothing to do for the weekend. And then I was like, fuck it, I'm going to see them both again, because they're so good. Here's to phase four of the MCU. Here, Yeah, here's... Uh, MCU stands for Midsummer Cinematic Universe. That wouldn't make sense. Why not? Because uh, I thought Midsummer was two words when you said that, and now I realize it's one, so it does make sense. Oh, okay, thanks, David. Yep. Oh, that's what I wanted to say! Tell about the meaning of midsummer. The meaning of midsummer. Danny is literally turning her mid twenties, which would put her in their. Make sure to leave us a review cultures, on iTunes. Age range you right in the middle of the summer on season. Twitter, making Instagram, her check out our website. Also, you also her gonna want to check out our letterbox right at the beginning of the festival. There. You can see what we've been watching. Give you kind of what peek behind mean? the scenes. Um, we She's are me. kicking off our Patreon with our July episodes. So you're going to hear a lot more about that in that main episode. Uh, thanks for coming on board of this feature talk. David, you can keep talking if you want. No, I know that was something you really wanted to discuss. Nope. But that wraps us up. <laughs> thanks for listening. I love you. Oh, wow. That was so passionate. <laughs> I, so you know how you used to end every episode with a bite? What if I ended episode with a little kiss? Please don't. Bye. Why not? No, I don't like that one bit. <laughs> Why not? It's so creepy. <laughs> Mine's cute and endearing. Yours is like, what if they don't want the kiss and you just kiss what them? What do you mean it's a little smooch?